Welcome to Reflection Time, the program that looks at world events and everyday issues through the eyes of the scriptures, and as well shares with you some inspirational music. Welcome to Reflection Time. Uh, this is your co-host Mario Sarek, and we're glad that you join us today. Uh, we're going to have a special one-hour program with Professor Walter Feith, and he's going to be looking at the dairy industry. We're told it's supposed to be an excellent source of calcium and other things, and that especially children should be consuming this on a daily basis. But is that true? So today we're going to be looking at how good is dairy for us. The title of this lecture this afternoon is Utterly Amazing, and uh, you'll probably find out why it's titled that way as we continue. Dairy products, how healthy are they? We are told by the world out there that we must have dairy in order to satisfy our calcium needs. Growing children need dairy. It's an energy-rich food, and there's no doubt about it. One can grow very rapidly on dairy. And milk, we are told, we need milk because it contains calcium and it contains proteins and it contains all the things that we need. We also know that there are problems with it and that there are high concentrations of fat and cholesterol and so some people are advised to take skim milk rather than milk. So is this true and how good is milk really? Well, the industry has a huge marketing drive and to compete with the dairy industry in terms of marketing is really quite something. They also have the law on their side. They seem to believe that the word milk belongs to them and in some countries you may not name any alternative product milk. You must name it something else. So in some countries you may not say soy milk, for example, you must call it soy drink or whatever because the dairy board would take you to court if you used the word milk. Well, I'm going to use some publications here to show you what the scientific world is saying of this. Of all mammals, human milk has the lowest protein content and the lowest ratio of casein to whey. Now, casein is the protein that you find in milk. And there is a huge production of milk, so if you make uh, evaporated products, then sometimes there is a huge excess of casein in the world. And you can find casein in just about anything, any product, from cookies to baking to 
power drinks to you name it. You will find casein. And casein is species specific. It's a very specific feeding protein. It's a very compact protein and it needs special circumstances for digestion. So casein, for example, needs a special enzyme which will unravel it so that it can be cleaved in the normal digestion process. And in infants uh, or in, in calves, the, the product that will do that is called renin. And renin curdles the milk and opens up the molecule for digestion. And so animals will produce this either in the lining of the gut. You will find pigs producing this and calves produce it. And you can use this renin as well as an extract in the cheese production because it will help to curdle the milk. So casein is pretty species specific. The amino acid composition in different species is different. But of all mammals, human milk has the lowest protein content and the lowest ratio of casein to whey. So if we're going to compare them, for example, you will find that in the human, there are 1.2 milligrams per liter of casein. That's what there is. And the time required to double the birth weight is 120 days. If you go to the horse, you'll see the horse has exactly double the amount of casein, or protein in general, 2.4 milligrams per liter, and the time to double weight is 60 days. That means exactly half. So there's a very good correlation there. A cow has 3.3 milligrams per liter, and the time to doubling birth weight is 47 days. A goat, 4.1 19 days, a dog 7.1 milligrams, 8 days, a cat 9.5, 7 days, a rat 11.8, 4.5 days. So if protein is the reason why we drink milk, then the best milk to drink is rat milk. <laughs> no doubt about it. There's another problem that we have over here we'll see that the human takes the longest to double the birth weight. Now, when a human is born, the moment the baby is born, he gets up and he walks around and says, where's the food, right? No, he doesn't do that. What does he do? He's totally helpless. And the brain is still developing. In fact, there are sutures which help it to be born, and uh, the brain is the important structure that still has to develop. The nerves are still connecting up and so a baby is totally incoordinate and the nervous system has to develop after birth in a human. A human is a species where the brain is paramount. A cow is not too interested in school and calculus. It's more interested in walking around and feeding. Is that correct? And so, the food type that is geared for a cow is one to make musculoskeletal development possible and is not geared for brain development. So, if we feed the human cow's milk, then what we can do is we can induce fairly rapid growth, but it is musculoskeletal growth, and so the, the baby can get very, very large very quickly 
and smaller infants are frowned upon that grow slightly slower. On the other hand, what is it that you would really want to develop properly, the brain or the musculoskeletal development? That human milk, which has the lowest ratio of casein to whey, is geared for brain development. What does the brain consist of? High levels of proteins or does the brain consist largely of fat? Basically, our brain is fatty tissue. And there are lots of lots of fatty components. Around each of the nerve fibers, you have myelin sheaths, which are particular fat molecules. So brain and uh, brain-connecting tissues or nerve tissues are largely fatty tissues. And so you need that type of development. Children that are raised on cow milk have a lower IQ on average than children that are raised on mother's milk. That's just a fact. Here's the journal Pediatrics. You don't get better journals than these in terms of children. Babies who are fed whole cow's milk during the second six months of life may experience a 30% increase in intestinal blood loss and a significant loss of iron in their stools. Now, why should the infant bleed internally if it gets cow's milk? The answer, again, lies in the protein. The casein that occurs in the cow's milk is very hard to digest, which would mean that the situation inside the gut is such that it is very more acidic than normal and very irritating to the intestine so that these young intestines actually bleed in the process and you lose um, iron that way. And adults have the same problem. People who have ulcers, for example, should never, ever have any dairy product in their systems because of the irritating nature of the digestive process involved. Adults who consume large quantities of milk who have high lactase activity suffer repeated small galactose challenges, accumulation of galacticol in the lens, and a greater likelihood of developing senile cataracts, postgraduate medicine. Okay, what does that mean now? So the first problem about dairy products is the type of protein. The protein, casein, is very hard to digest. You need very special enzymes in order to do it. And mother's milk has human casein, and the baby would find that hard to digest. But the mother has nodes in the breast where bacteria are raised, which are called bacillus bifidus. And this bacterium is injected together with the milk and helps to digest the casein. And then the infants also have small amounts of renin. In a cow, on the other hand, the calf produces large amounts of renin to cope with this huge influx of casein. So that's the way we deal with casein. Once a, a, a mammal in general is weaned, then it stops producing renin and it cannot digest casein adequately anymore. In fact, once an animal is weaned, it should never, ever, ever get milk again. And there is not a mammal in the world that will naturally drink milk after it is weaned. Not a mammal in the world, except the human being. And all of us switch off the enzymes which enable us to digest the casein adequately once we are weaned. So none of us have this. 
But there's another problem, and that's the sugar in milk. You see, the sugar in milk is lactose. And to digest lactose, you need an enzyme which is known as lactase. And lactase is an enzyme that occurs until you are weaned in most populations. Now, in the white population and in the generally European stock population that has lived in cold climates for many, many uh, centuries and where people have been raised on milk for a long, long time because that's all they had. They used to plant their, their grazing in the winter, uh, in the summer, harvest it, and they would have their cows in their sheds, and that's what they would live on throughout those winters, dairy, 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 dairy. That was the staple food of the European. And so in Europeans, the enzyme lactase continues to be produced after the weaning time just because milk has never been withdrawn from the diet. But in most other nations where ch children in Africa, for example, or in Asia are nursed by mothers and once they are weaned, that's it, lactase ceases to be produced. doesn't get produced anymore. And the enzyme lactase splits the sugar lactose into its two components. The one is glucose, and the other one is galactose. Now, galactose is one half of lactose. Now, in an infant, there's another enzyme which will change galactose to glucose so that they can use it. So there's an enzyme called beta-galactosidase which will take this galactose and change it to glucose as the baby needs it. Now, guess what happens when you're an adult? That enzyme stops being produced. Once you are weaned, you don't produce it anymore. So if you ever consume lactose as a sugar, you might still, if you are a European, have the enzyme lactase. They can split the lactose into glucose and galactose, but you won't have sufficient of the enzyme or none of it as an adult to split the galactose or to change the galactose to glucose. Which means that no human being actually should ever use lactose as a dietary food ever. Because what do you do with a galactose now that you don't know how to use it anymore? It now becomes a foreign substance in your body. So every time you have a glass of milk and you're converting everything that you can use in there, you will sit with galactose challenges. And what do you do with galactose? Well, you don't know what to do with it, you store it. So you store it in your skin, everywhere, including your eyes, your cornea. And so, senile cataracts largely are galactose deposits which have accumulated over time. So you don't want to do that. What's wrong with dairy products? Here's the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, Washington, D.C., they will tell you that dairy products contribute cholesterol and fat to one's diet, comparing the cardiovascular status of ovo-lacto-vegetarians and vegans has proven that while both are healthier than meat eaters, vegans have a better cardiovascular status than vegetarians who consume dairy products. And these are all the journals, the Journal of American Medical Association, American Journal of Clinical Nutrition. This has been known for a long, long time. Even the Journal of Dairy Science will admit 
that milk has been identified as a cholesterol-elevating fat because it contains cholesterol and is primarily saturated. That's a half-truth. So I'll acknowledge that they have half the truth there. The other half is worse, which they don't mention, and we'll come to that in a moment. Iron deficiency, we've already spoken about it. Iron deficiency is more likely on a dairy-rich diet. In addition, clinical studies have shown that infants consuming cow's milk lose blood from their digestive tracts. We've dealt with that. Diabetes, this is an interesting one. Insulin-dependent diabetes, that's type 1 diabetes, or childhood onset, is linked to dairy products. And this has been fairly well established over time. And I'll continue with that in a moment as to why that is the case. Ovarian cancer, as the journal Lancet, a Harvard study found that when dairy products consumption exceeds the enzyme capacity to break down galactose, there is a buildup of galactose in the blood which may affect women's ovaries and make them actually infertile. In the European countries, one in four couples seek fertility help. One in four. That never happens in Africa. Did you notice that? Never happens in Africa. Now here's this cow's milk linked to diabetes. In Lancet Medical Journal, in 1999, they found that new evidence published Friday adds weight to a controversial theory that feeding cow's milk to babies may cause them to develop diabetes in later life, the Lancet Medical Journal said. Already in 78, they said, drinking cow's milk may weaken the immune function in children and lead to problems of recurring in infections. A young age at introduction of dairy products and a high milk consumption during childhood may increase a child's risk of developing juvenile diabetes. The journal Diabetologia, 1994. So how come it causes diabetes? What was the theory behind that? Again, it's linked to the protein. This protein, casein, is very poorly digested, which means that it only breaks down into little bigger chunks. You get energy from it because parts of it are digested, but the pieces sometimes get translocated and end up in the blood as pieces. Now, all of a sudden, the body recognizes an abnormal protein. And it just so happens that cow's casein has an amino acid sequence in one part of the molecule, which is very similar to the amino acid sequence on the beta cells of the pancreas. So what happens is, when the body recognizes the strange protein, it makes an antibody. And that antibody, if that sequence of amino acids happens to be present in that piece that's in the blood, is an antibody to that amino acid sequence. And then that same antibody attacks your own beta cells and destroys your pancreas. And then you have diabetes type 1 and you have no more insulin producing cells and then you have diabetes type 1. Then the only solution is to take insulin for the rest of your life. Now, there was a lot of controversy about this because Japanese babies sometimes develop diabetes type 1 even though they never got cow's milk, they only got mother's milk. And so the, this idea was rejected for a long, long time until scientists found something very exciting. They found that the Japanese babies that had diabetes type 1 
were from mothers who had been subjected to the United States diet. They'd lived in America for a while and they were using dairy. So they analyzed the mother's milk and guess what they found in the mother's milk? Cow casein. Why? Because the mother wasn't digesting the cow casein properly. It was also translocated partially into their bloodstream. The body gets rid of it and a gland throwing things out is a convenient place of getting rid of it. The baby was getting cow casein and making antibodies because it couldn't deal with it and that's where diabetes 1 came from. So the theory today is pretty well confirmed. Early cow milk exposure may increase juvenile diabetes risk by 1.5 times. Early studies already showed this. Diabetes does not occur in diabetes-prone rodents reared on a diet free of cow's milk for the first two or three months of life, indicating that cow's milk protein can trigger the disease. The New England Journal of Medicine reported that in 1992 already. They've known this for years. And only now is it slowly filtering through to the medical world that this is actually the problem. Researchers from Rome and London Instead, they studied 47 patients who had recently developed insulin-dependent diabetes and found that 51% of them had immune cells that grew and replicated when exposed to a protein called beta-casein. comes from cows. Found in cow's milk, only 2.7% of healthy people in a control group had immune cells that reacted to the cow's milk protein. So there you have it. Casein seems to be the problem. All right, here's this other study that was done on the sugar. Five years ago, Kramer from Harvard Medical School linked galactose, that sugar, consumption with increased risk of ovarian cancer. To look for hints for this sugar might also affect fecundity, that is uh, fertility, if you like. His team compared published data from 36 countries on the rates of fertility per capita milk consumption and hypolactasia, that is low lactose, the adult inability to digest lactose. In February 1, American Journal of Epidemiology, they now report a correlation between high rates of milk consumption and waning fertility, beginning in women just 20 to 24 years old. You shouldn't become infertile at 20 and 24. You should be at your peak. The strength of that association and the rate of fertility decline grew with each successive older age group studied. In Thailand, for example, where they don't use dairy for, because they are lactose intolerant, where 98% of adults are hypolactasic, they're lactose intolerant, average fertility in women, 35 to 39, is only 26% lower than peak rates. So you stay fertile for a long, long time at age 25 to 29. By contrast, in Australia and the UK, where hypolactasia affects only about 5% of adults because they keep the enzyme, because they have this history of milk consumption, average fertility by 35 to 39 is 82% below peak rate. What a tremendous difference. And the difference is the dairy. The dairy is the bad news. Cataracts, as we have seen, are linked to dairy products. There are many scientific publications to show that. 
Lactose intolerance, we'll deal with in a moment. Food allergies. Milk is one of the most common food allergies. If you have migraine, if you have asthma, we'll deal with them in a moment. The first product to look at is dairy. And that is the one that will not test positive in most cases. If you go for allergy tests, you will test positive to all the secondary allergies and sell them to the primary allergy. So this is one of the biggest problems in the world today. Toxins, like other products from animals, breast secretions contain contaminants, pesticides, drugs, and all kinds of problems, antibiotics, you name it. And uh, we've analyzed quite a few of these over our lifetime, and I'll tell you the picture is not so hot. Lactase deficiency. That's the enzyme that breaks down the sugar lactose in milk. Now, the Danes are only 2% lactose intolerant. That means they cope with lactose. They can break it into glucose and galactose, but they don't cope with the galactose. They still have that problem. If it comes to the Finns, they're 18%. Lactose intolerant. If it comes to the Indians, 50%. The Israeli Jews, 58 Peruvians, 70 Black Americans, 70%. Ashkenazi Jews, 78%. We go up, Arabs, 78%. Green Eskimos, 80%. Taiwanese, 85 Greeks, 85 Japanese, 85 Thais, 90 Filipinos, 90 African blacks, some say 90, actually it's more. That means they cannot tolerate lactose at all. So in fact, only white Europeans can tolerate lactose, none of the others. In fact, African blacks are 95 to 100% lactose intolerant. The Zulu nation, almost 100% lactose intolerant. And as you go down the list, you'll see that only North American whites and white Europeans can tolerate lactose. Now, isn't it interesting that this group down here wants to dictate to the whole world up there that in order to be healthy, they must eat like them. And what happens? They all become just as sick as they are. That's what happens. Here's a nice little cartoon that I quite like. Two little kids. The one is a black kid. And the other one is a white kid. And they've just spilt the milk. Now, is that a curse or a blessing? That is the question. Is that a curse or a blessing? Let me tell you the difference. This little white kid is going to be lactose tolerant. This little black child is going to be lactose intolerant. Okay, now, let's say they had not spilt the milk and they actually drank the milk. The little white kid would have no problem with the milk in terms of digesting the sugar because it has lactase, the enzyme, breaks it down. But it would have problems with the galactose, which would affect certain uh, parameters. Then the casein, the protein in the milk, it would have problems with that as well. And they would tend to allergies and all kinds of things. But it could grow quite well on the casein, no problem. And then there's fat in it, which also helps to, to grow quickly, give cholesterol, all the bad things. So not the best thing for the little white girl. If she has this milk, because she is not lactose intolerant and because milk is fiberless, she would tend to become constipated 
from the milk, constipated. The little black boy over there, he would have the same problems, except that he doesn't have lactose, lactase. And so he cannot ferment the lactose. So it passes straight through into the colon where there are bacteria which can do it. So they split it. 